Welcome back to another episode of One Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And in this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the Patriots and Belichick rumors, um, talking specifically about what is coming. Uh, different sources have put out information over the last few weeks about Belichick leaving the Patriots. And, um, you know, I want to talk about that uh, and also talk about a uh, potential uh, Patriots uh, Belichick replacement um, who uh, was recently um, let go. Uh, so we're going to talk uh, about all that. Then we're going to talk about the Red Sox and what could be their plan uh, for the offseason, for the future, um, and how they might be addressing things and how fans feel compared to how things are actually going um so let's uh kind of let's talk about that so there have been so many different reports out about bill belichick leaving um the patriots uh and there has been so many that have just uh made themselves uh apparent um and it has gotten to a point where um, some reporters are saying that it will happen soon. Some uh, are saying that uh, it will happen eventually. Um, Tom Curran was one of the biggest uh, Patriots, uh, you know, Boston sports media guys who came out and said that Belichick was leaving. And this was at a time when no one was really saying that it was kind of a bombshell of a report. Because a lot of Patriots fans were just so against it. To the point where they were saying that Tom Curran is not even a real uh, you know, sportscaster and is a joke because of a report. Now, there are a lot of people who put out different reports and some of them are BS and some of them aren't. Um, and so Tom Curran is doubling down on what he said. Um, and this comes from other sources. Uh, as uh, reported... In December, a decision was made further back in the year that the Patriots would be parting ways with Bill Belichick at the end of the season, Tom Curran said. Uh, the end of the season is upon us. They have not yet parted ways, but the decision remains. Bill Belichick will not be back as the head coach for New England Patriots in 2024. That being the case, why the wait? I think it has a lot to do with the untangling of a 24-year union with an individual and... That untangling is going to take some time, especially if you want to keep the relationship intact going forward. Uh, quote, but as we said, steady as she goes, Bill Belichick, the decision we reported on last month that the Patriots will part ways with him remains one that will ultimately happen. So it sounds like this is something that uh, is is taking place um, and it is now something that I feel like is as much a certainty as anything. And when it happens, I don't know. But I do think Belichick is leaving. And it's hard for, you know, a lot of Patriots fans because he was so good with the Patriots. He just, you know, hasn't done, um, he really hasn't done too much uh, in the last, you know, three or so years. And so the Patriots in their organization might be looking in a different direction, which doesn't really sit well with a lot of fans. And I think 
a lot of uh, Patriots fans out there are very um, kind of overlooking the the mistakes he's made, specifically drafting-wise. And one of their strongest arguments basically looks at what is out there that's better than Bill Belichick. And I think there are Patriots fans who are trying to find every like reasonable way to keep him. And you can want Bill Belichick to leave as the head coach, as the general manager, and still love Bill Belichick and the Patriots and what he gave us. Six championships, nine Super Bowl appearances. You know, there's a lot of things that he did well with the Patriots, and it has gotten to a point where um, I think the end is near. And it's hard for me to go out there and support bringing Belichick back again when we haven't had any success. This was our worst season, and it probably took four wins and a third overall pick for Robert Kraft to say, you know, this is, um, you know, something that... uh, we need to really discuss. Um, so it gets to a point where you're kind of looking at this situation saying it's time to move on from uh, this guy. Uh, it's time to move on from uh, Bill Belichick. And, you know, it's one of those things that you don't really know what you're getting in a replacement, but I do think uh, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, teams that are going to be interested. And I think the Patriots could potentially have a recently fired head coach as their replacement. And that person is uh, former Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, who has been uh, with the team for, I believe it was five years. Uh, He was a Patriots uh, defensive player for his uh, majority of the career and uh, was part of three championships, their first three. Uh, He is the perfect replacement for a million reasons. Uh, He has head coaching experience. He has assistant coaching experience. He has playing experience. He has Patriots experience. He knows craft on a personal level, in a player level. Um, He probably knows a lot of connections within the organization and outside the organization and this is as perfect of a choice. He's also in his, I believe he's in his 40s, 40s or 50s, so he's young enough where he's got a good amount of years left in the league as a coach where if he drafts the next great quarterback, he can build a relationship with this kid and take him to the next level and work with him. And, you know, this is something that I think is coming. Now, there was a report that came out which... Uh, is coming from uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network talking about Vrabel's firing. Uh, and here's what he said, quote, uh, I would say maybe the last several months, ever since Mike Vrabel went to New England, he took part in the Hall of Fame day and all the rumors started floating about whether or not Mike Vrabel would be a Patriots coach next year or whether he'd be a Titans coach. Um, uh, he never really addressed that internally. Uh I know it didn't sit great with people there. And the reporting out there is that the controlling owner of the Tennessee Titans, Amy Adams uh, Strunk, was uh, upset with the fact that he, Mike Vrabel, didn't discount any of these rumors. He didn't go out there and say, I'm happy in Tennessee. I'm not going to New England. I played there, but I'm here in Tennessee. He did not once close the door 
on coaching with the Patriots, and that was probably a part of why he ended up uh, leaving, um, and they fired him. And I honestly think Mike Vrabel would be the best Patriots coach, and here's someone who, if you don't like Bill Belichick leaving, here's someone who was a player under Belichick, so he knows a little bit about what Belichick's coaching style is. And I also think that uh, he has his own coaching style, which he got as the head coach in Tennessee. I think he was in Texas with the Houston Texans before he was in um, Tennessee. So this one who checks uh, all the boxes. And if you're a Patriots fan like myself, you know, this is like a perfect scenario. If somebody was out there saying, okay, well, I don't want to get rid of Belichick. I don't know what we're going to do if he, you know, he's done. What do we replace him with? This is your answer. This is the rebuttal to anybody who says, well, there's no option out there that's as good as Belichick. And to be honest, I don't think he will ever be Belichick, but if he's a great head coach who can win us some championships, that's really all that matters to me. So I think this would be sort of a very good uh, pairing if the Patriots went out there and said, look, we're going to go out and we're going to bring in uh, someone like Vrabel. So we'll see if Belichick actually gets fired. Nothing has happened yet. We don't know what's going to happen if he's going to mutually part ways, if they're going to trade him. Uh, there's a million bajillion teams that are out there that are looking and saying, we want Belichick if he's available. So it's not an issue of Belichick not finding another job because it's very easy to see him find another job. Uh, and I really think, you know, that is, that's where he fits, fits into this best. And so um, I am a huge fan of, of bringing him in and we'll have to see what they do. Um, now, the Patriots have the third overall pick, which this has been solidified. Season's over, and the Patriots now can basically look at what's available in the draft and then make their decision. Now, the Patriots fan base, I feel like, has two camps when it comes to this draft. There is the first side, which I would say I am in this first side, which is drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. and then either finding some sort of quarterback in the rest of the draft or using it, your money on a veteran uh, to fill that quarterback spot. We all believe that a quarterback needs to come in. Uh, in this group, we say we're going with Marvin Harrison, we're going with him at three, and then we're going to draft someone else and we're going to maybe sign someone. That's how we'll figure it out. Now, there's the other side of the sort of group of people and those are the ones that say we got to go Jaden Daniels at number three. Now, I think Jaden Daniels is one of the best players in this draft. I think he is going to have a better NFL career than Drake May and Caleb Williams. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is like a can't miss. Like, he's the best player in this draft, and he's the best wide receiver in this draft. And there's nobody, in my opinion, that's better than Marvin Harrison Jr. And so unless some team out there, for example, the... Arizona Cardinals or um, the uh, Giants or the Chargers get some sort of like crazy offer out there and say, we'll trade you bajillion picks to move up to three. Uh, if that's the case, take it. But if not, and you're sitting at three, uh, Harrison Jr. is the best option because I think he's got the can't-miss potential that you look for. And as an organization, that's what you should need. 
And I also want to point this out for the Patriots fans out there. If you go into this draft expecting Jaden Daniels to change your roster from a four-win season to a 12-win season, you're shit out of luck. If you go in thinking Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to turn your season from four wins to 12 wins, you're shit out of luck. Like, there's nobody in this draft, no matter how good they are, that can instantly leapfrog you into a spot of contention. With the amount of issues and holes that this team has, like, you have a lot of problems. And to me, getting Marvin Harrison Jr. basically means your quarterback situation might need to get fixed, your tight ends, your whatever. But wide receiver one is is all set because this is going to be your wide receiver one. And this is a can't-miss prospect that it would be stupid to to miss on. Um, And to not have him in this draft is crazy. And so I think there's ways to to get better players on your roster uh, at these other positions. And Marvin Harrison Jr. has to be your, your choice at three because... For about maybe three or four months uh, before sort of the Heisman winning uh, trophy in the college football playoffs, before all of that, it was Drake May, Caleb Williams, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. And then everybody else was like two or three steps below. And since when did it go from those guys are like a league of their own to now we're going to put Jaden Daniels at three? He's a great quarterback, but is he three? If I could get him at five or six, would I take it? 100%. And I think the risk that you run is if you try for a guy like Daniels at six, he might get scooped up by a team who trades up to five or a team that trades up to four. So it's a tough spot to be in because a lot of people would love Daniels a few picks lower and you recoup some assets, but I don't think he'll be there a few picks lower. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is just so good, and it's hard for me to pass up that opportunity. And again, like I said, you're not going to be winning championships after a year. Like, you need a few years of work before you can get this done. And so I've always felt like, yes, um, you know, the Patriots have had so much success, and Patriots fans, myself included, want us to get back to that point in time. But it's not something that you're really going to be able to rush around. And, you know, if you have a Tom Brady, you can, you know, jettison your process of rebuilding from 0 to 100 real quick. But if you don't have that, and I don't think there's any quarterback in this draft that is the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees level. And so if that's true, then it's going to take a little bit. And, you know, I think... uh, you got to go with the best available player. You got to go with the best overall player. Now, there might be some sort of world in which Marvin Harrison Jr. goes number two or number one in the draft. You know, if the Bears stay at number one and draft him, or if they trade with Washington to two and they draft uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., then I'd be like, okay, we can take a quarterback and we'll take whoever's left on the board, either Caleb Williams or, Dr- or Drake May. But. If assuming Chicago and Washington go 1-2 with quarterbacks, then the best choice is Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, You know, I think that's exactly where they need to go. Now, I want to switch gears for a second to talk about the Boston Red Sox, who missed out on one of the the prize free agents who was left uh, on the board, um, which was um, Shota Imagna, who uh, signed with... uh, 
the Chicago Cubs, quote, the Chicago Cubs have reached a tentative deal with Japanese pitcher Shota Imagna, according to uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today. He will undergo a physical in Chicago on Thursday before the deal becomes official. So there were reports that the San Francisco Giants were interested in him, and that was the team he was going to. There were reports that the Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs were two teams left in a bidding war. And I also saw that there was um, a report out, uh, on I saw it on Twitter, that uh, a team, mystery team, had bid more than the Chicago Cubs, but Magna didn't want to come to uh, the Red Sox, um, or whatever that mystery team was. I'm assuming it's the Red Sox, but uh, it could be someone else. Now, um, I did see another report which came out recently um, about uh, Dylan Cease, who was with the White Sox. In uh, this report, uh, talks about um, potentially Cease um, coming in, uh, and he would be open to um, at least uh, staying uh, with the Red Sox. Um, and so if that is, uh, something that actually, uh, does happen, um, then, uh, you know, that would be great. They'd have to trade for him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Dylan Cease obviously has, uh, a lot of, uh, great qualities that you would look for, um, in, uh, a starting pitcher and he could be our best pitcher on the roster, um, you know, and I think uh, that's uh, that's good if uh, he does want to come to the Red Sox. Um, and if he is open to, um, you know, coming, that would be uh, a great situation. We missed out on Teoscar Hernandez, who signed with the Dodgers um, to a deal. Um, and we were interested in bringing him in, but that didn't end up uh, happening. Um, and so... Uh, we are kind of stuck in this uh, spot. We haven't been able to really sign uh, a ton of big-name uh, players. But I think this is where the Red Sox are uh, for a reason. And I was, looking on, um, I was looking on social media, and I saw something about how the Red Sox might be trying to, you know, not take on uh, a lot of, um, you know, big contracts and they're going to try and build up the farm system and hope that these prospects hit. And so when the Red Sox have won their championships, um, 2007 was basically mostly homegrown players. Um, 2004 was a combination of homegrown and other guys who have come in. 2013 was a combination of some homegrown talent and some some outside talent, mostly outside talent. Uh, and then 2018 was a lot of homegrown talent um, on the roster, some trade pieces. And so, you know, the Red Sox have had a lot of success with bringing guys up. The organization in the roster, whether that's Pedroia, Jacoby Ellsbury, Papelbon, John Lester, Clay Buckholds, you know, uh, Mookie Betts, Bradley Jr., Ben Intendi, um, all sorts of other players, Devers, uh, Xander Bogarts, you know, they have had success bringing up some players from the, the pool of, of organizational players that they drafted or signed as international free agents, which um, they might be trying to do that again because you have 
a lot of other potential young core players, and now you have Vaughn Grisham who comes in, and he's still young and can potentially be a building block with this roster. Jared Durand and Tristan Cass and, um, you know, the countless other guys in the wings, Marcelo Mayer, um, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the Red Sox might be waiting for a moment in time where they have all these picks, all these guys they drafted that uh, now are making their way to the MLB level. Um, and they have great careers, and some of them might get traded for established veterans, and some will be homegrown talent that stay here forever. Um, and then in the future, when your roster has a lot of cut salary and you're kind of just working with minimal contracts, you know, some guys will be expensive, but there'll be a lot more, you know, space to work with. Then you can bring in a big name pitcher or a big name outfielder or, you know, whatever. And so I think this is kind of the, the method of madness that the Red Sox are working with, which I like that. So, um, you know, they're doing big things um, for the long term, uh, and it might not be what fans want, but the Red Sox had over 80 years of just misery um, between the curse of the Bambino and the World Series that they just lost and everything. It was just not great. And for those who were around for it, which I wasn't really, um, the ending a little bit, uh, but most of it, you know, I wasn't, and there were a lot of people who were around for a lot of that. Uh, they know what it's like to see the Red Sox down and out, and now we had a bad season, and everyone's going in, in haywire frenzy, like it's the end of the world, you know? Expecting us to always be good, that's just not going to happen, because in sports, that's really not the case, and you know, the Patriots aren't great. The Red Sox need some work. The Bruins and Celtics are doing great, so that's good. But as always, uh, there's ebbs and flows. And I've always felt like at one point in time, there's always a good sports franchise in Boston. Whether that's the Bruins, the Celtics, the Red Sox, the Patriots, there's always someone on top. You know, Patriots were down big, but the Celtics in the 80s were doing big things, you know. And the Bruins were doing decently in the 90s. You know, when the Celtics had slowed off. Um, and, you know, now it's the Celtics who are the kings of basketball. And the Bruins who are pretty good in hockey. So, uh, it's it fluctuates, right? And so I'm not worried about the Red Sox. I know, you know, whatever they choose to do is their choice. And they could be trying to build up their farm system to, to kind of go out there and uh, compete with those guys in the future. You know, maybe they're missing out on some free agents, but... You know, they'll figure it out somehow, uh, one way or another.